The garage door is shaking viciously. I mean, like, when somebody's trying to come inside. This is, like, you guys think I'm joking? This is what it's like. Every night for months, I would wake up and I looked at my mom's closet and there was a man. And he was just standing there, just staring at me. He never did anything, never said anything, never moved. He was just there. Um, I was awake and I, what was weird is like, I was on my right side and I felt like a body like leaning over me and it felt like this thing was leaning over me like this and I couldn't, like I could see it, but I couldn't yeah. tell what, like I couldn't tell features. everyone welcome back to hair of the werewolf i'm lily and i have with me chase what's up and we are a paranormal horror podcast that likes talking about everything scary true especially when it's true and uh yeah just everything in between anything that's strange and we drink while we do it to make it a lot easier exactly i think that's how we deal with these horrifying stories that we sometimes tell each other but we always have a great time, and today is our very special Halloween episode that we decided to do, and in a way to honor our listeners as well. It's not just a Halloween episode, this is a monumental episode. This is episode <laughs> 53, and the final episode of season one of Hair the Werewolf. We have put out new episodes every weekend for an entire year since last Halloween, which... Yep. I didn't think we were going to be able to do it, and we did, <laughs> and we can't thank all of you listeners enough for taking the time to actually listen to us jabber on every single week. So thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. We appreciate all the support. Definitely. I love hearing feedback, and you guys are just have been amazing. And me and Lily have shots of rum in our Friday 13 shot glasses <laughs> right in front of us, so we're going to take a shot we shall do to this congratulate now. ourselves for all of this and to <laughs> thank you guys for joining us. Uh, yes. Cheers. I need to congratulate myself more. <laughs> celebrate all right this is also the last weekend of october and therefore it is the end of our october movie month lily and i created a calendar and posted to instagram at the beginning of the month with a new movie listed for each night at the end of each episode of each week we talk about the movies that we saw the previous week and we try to keep it as spoiler free as possible plenty of you joined along and we thank you for that and we hope you had a good time if you did miss it though don't worry we're going to do it again next year and so at the end of this episode we're going to cover everything we did in last week and we'll talk a little bit about the last two movies that are going to come tonight and tomorrow yes for sure yeah i can't wait and so oh Duh, of course, I promised a long time ago that I was going to do a Hair of the Werewolf fall drink, and I have it for you guys now. So I'm going to talk about that. It's going to take like two seconds, don't worry. And you all better drink it at some point. <laughs> you have this to drink fall. it. I mean, fall's like still several months to do it, but it's a perfect Halloween party drink. Exactly. So if you guys are listening to this on Halloween, then this is the perfect drink for you. The recipe requires hot cider, spiced rum, cinnamon sticks, and caramel. Now what you want to do is get your favorite cider. I like the one from Trader Joe's. That's the one we use. Super simple, pre-made, and I think it's organic. Oh yeah, and shout out to my friend Lisa for being with me and trying and failing a few times and having literally our drink curdle. Uh, we tried other things. This is not part of it. Trust me. You'll, you're fine. This one won't curdle. This one won't curdle, no matter what you do, I think. There's nothing so. to curdle in it. 
<laughs> right. So anyway, um, you want to heat up that cider, throw a couple of cinnamon sticks in there, and get it there until it's boiling. Now you want to grab your favorite cup, add a little bit of caramel, and then pour two shots of spiced rum. And uh, usually I just use Sailor Jerry, but cruising is good, you know. You get your favorite one. You There's... use Captain if it's the only thing at the gas station down the street, <laughs> as is often the case. You're like, oh no, I need spice rum right now. Gas station is fine. <laughs> then, <laughs> then get your hot cider and add as much or as little as you like. I usually put the full cup of hot cider because I just love hot cider in general. But I got to tell you, that rum is a spicy, especially because I added two shots, which is... Yeah, so um, dilute it to your tolerance <laughs> level. Or add one shot, whatever. It's fine. A special note about that caramel. We just got like the caramel syrup that you put on like ice cream. Yeah. And we drizzle it around the edge, which adds like a note of sweetness. It's kind of like... Just a little rim that's on it that works really nicely. Yeah, I learned from Lisa, all you have to do is like dip your spoon in it, and then on the back side of the spoon, just like real quick, go around the rim, and it works perfectly for and just every sip. a lot easier to clean than you'd think. Actually, it is. Yeah, it's nice. It was my favorite part. I would go back and forth between like caramel bit and not caramel, and I think I just like the caramel. And I don't have a sweet tooth, so that's saying something. Exactly. It's a delicious drink, and I'm proud. It's not the most complicated recipe, but I know nothing about mixing drinks, clearly. <laughs> I like to curdle my drinks. <laughs> well, I think you guys were successful. I very much enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good... It felt like fall. It felt like Halloween. Yeah. And you don't get too many hot cocktails these days, so that's, that's pretty true. cool. Yeah. And so, as you mentioned earlier, it's a listener yes. episode, so we had submitted stories from several people, and so we're going to read them to you today. Thank you all who submitted a story to us. We can't get to them all today, so we're going to save those for the next and the following listener episode, so don't be worried. If you submit a one and haven't read it yet, we'll get to it. Right, so don't worry about that. And also, I'm sure you guys are like, hmm, I wonder if what we heard earlier in the intro was snippets of what you're going to be listening it next. Was. Absolutely. So some of the people that we actually got stories from, we were able to interview live and record it. Exactly. And some not so much. So yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. But this is why you guys are here. So I think, Lily, you should kick it off with the first story. Okay. So I think, you know, I, I really didn't put this in any particular order. I just, you know, thought this would be a really good first story. This is from Chrissy. And uh, she is a super fan of the show as well, which I totally appreciate. She's amazing. And Represent. <laughs> and she has a story for us. So let me start. She says, a couple of months ago, I went to Angel Fire because I was crewing for my sister-in-law's hot air balloon. They were doing a rally out there, and we were all staying in my sister-in-law's camper. I also took my two kids, so we were a little cramped, especially since we were sleeping in the little kitchenette table area that converts into a little bed. Understandably, I couldn't sleep that night because A, it was freezing balls, <laughs> B, there were gaps in the pillow and it was uh, really uncomfortable, and C, a couple of days prior to this, I had a very close friend pass away. And so I was really stressed out and weirded out and it was just a crazy situation. I was going through all the motions of being pissed, upset, and sad, so I had a lot going on. On the day we went to Angel Fire, I wasn't even sure if we were going to go because I didn't want to leave my other friend who was also deeply affected by our friend's death. It was a last minute decision because my friend decided to stay with family. So I figured since she's busy, then I can make the trip work. So back to my story. That night when we got there, the craziest thing happened to me. I even wrote, it, wrote about it in my dream journal because I was trying to make sense of it. 
As I mentioned, me and my kids' sleeping arrangements were very tight, so I kept waking up every hour trying to readjust. During one of my tossing and turning sessions, I finally laid on my right side and faced my kids and watched them as they slept for a few moments. I should also mention that I was on the edge of the bed because I didn't want my kids to fall off. Before I could fall back asleep, I suddenly felt a body lean over me. From the corner of my eye, I could tell that someone was definitely there, but I couldn't make out any distinct features. All I could see was a black silhouette leaning over, and for whatever reason, I also knew that the presence was masculine. I can't explain how I knew, but I got the vibe that it was male. Moments later, as it was still leaned over me, it whispered something next to my ear, but I couldn't make out what it was. It was unintelligible, but I could definitely tell that it was trying to say something to me. Hateful or no idea? Like, absolutely nothing? Uh, She doesn't say. So... Uh, Oh, she goes, as soon as I heard it speak, my body went completely paralyzed. I looked over to my kids and I felt like I needed to protect them, but I literally could not move. For a moment, I wondered if I was having sleep paralysis or a crazy night terror, Woof. but I wasn't sure. Then, before I knew it, I started to feel the person begin to stand up and the pressure of their weight was gone. As soon as this happened, my body began to flail, like I was finally able to move after being inhibited. My reaction was so strong that I ended up falling off the bed and landed on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine how awful that would have been. Um, I was also afraid that I might have woken up the other people that were sleeping in the camper. Luckily, no one seemed to notice. As I got up... Well, and if you look around and you don't see anyone, then you know it wasn't someone in the camper, like, playing a prank or something. You would absolutely would have seen them, no, you yeah. know, get back in. It, it, being such a close quarters, it can't be that graceful or or quiet. Yeah, even you a know? Teenage Ninja Turtle is going to be noticed inside one of those things. doesn't matter how, <laughs> like, stealth they try to be. I'm sorry. Did you say a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle? Because they're ninjas. <laughs> Why did you just say ninja? Because Teenage Mutant Turtles are my favorite ninjas. Oh, sure. Of course. I forgot. <laughs> Don't judge. Um, <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, let's see. Where was I? As I got up, I tried to make sense of what happened. I couldn't help but wonder if it was real. I sometimes think that maybe it was a vivid night terror induced by stress, but I honestly can't shake the feeling that it was very much real. It affected me so much that it took me about a week after the experience for me to get a good night's sleep. Oh man, that sucks. Yeah, and then she goes on to say, I should mention that I've had other experiences happen to me in the past. Once when I was eight and another time when I was 13. So like I o- the same thing? No, no, no. She just said other experiences. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So I always wondered if there was a part of me that was just more sensitive to these kind of energies. I honestly wasn't sure if I was even able to tell anyone this story, but here I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope this creeped you guys out because it sure scared the hell out of me. Wow. All right. So... <laughs> That is a really creepy story. Now, I've fallen out of my bed a few times, actually recently, because right now we're sleeping on a really small bed, Yeah. Um, but it had nothing to do with creepy stuff happening behind me, so just falling out of a bed sucks. All the other stuff's a lot worse than that. I just, so. yeah, I could not imagine um, feeling someone over you and then be basically paralyzed. The way she described it made it sound like the whisper in her ear was like almost, I don't want to say like an enchantment, but... When she said she couldn't move and protect her children, I felt like such dread. I'm like, that's that's a no. That's a no-go. The fact that she doesn't know what it said, that's the part that messes me up the that's most. That's true. Because, like, what what was that? <laughs> like, I know it was like, well, who was standing behind her? But I'm like, 
what did he say? What did he say? And we're like, eh? One more time? <laughs> yeah. Ain't no ghost can say anything to you because most time you're like, what was that? You pull out your earplugs because she sleeps with, I sleep with earplugs. earplugs. She pull like, them out. She's like, what? It'll say it again, and you're like, wait, what? And the ghost can be like, screw this, I'm out. It literally <laughs> takes me. I chase jokes as like he can't really talk to me in the morning because it takes me like a good five minutes to actually wake up because I I don't sleep very well, and so if I'm actually in a deep sleep, I'm like. You can tell me whatever you want. It's just going to go from one ear to the other, mm. out the other. Like, it's not going to happen. I've learned my lesson. I now know if it's really important to tell her, but if it's only, like, marginally important or less, I'm just not going to say anything. <laughs> it's like, she'll, she'll get to it. It's yeah, fine. Uh, I'm not going to process anything. Uh, but, yeah, no, that that's... Right, that story is terrifying. And she was up in, like, I assume since she's a camper, you know, I, I used to go to Angel Fire, like, every winter mm-hmm. with... Uh, with my best friend and, and his family to go skiing. So I know the area. It's it's pretty heavily wooded. It's near Taos. It's it's beautiful. I mean, yeah. So I've they never weren't, been there, but... <laughs> they weren't, like, in the middle of a city or anything like that. So right. they would have been out in, like, the woods or in a more remote area, which makes it even creepier because exactly. you're just in the middle of nowhere. So that's absolutely terrifying. Right. Wow. That's... Thank you, Chrissy. Absolutely. Thank <laughs> you for taking the time and willingness to share that with us. For sure. Um, that's oh. a heavy story. Yeah. And I will, I can just say now, it does undergo the theme that uh, several of the stories that we have, at least, you know, one that I have, they happen during times where people are undergoing a lot of emotional stress. Right. So maybe that's when people become sensitive to this stuff. So, yeah. That's true. Yeah. All right. All right. So we're going to jump to me. We're going to take turns back and forth. This story is from Lisa, the girl that helped make the cocktail with you. So (laughs) even though I'm a guy, I'm going to read it anyway. Most people say me and Lisa are like the same person, only just like we look different. Yeah, just a little bit. So it's probably appropriate (laughs) that I do it. And don't worry, I'm not going to try to impersonate her voice or anything because my voice is beautiful. (laughs) You guys are like siblings. Okay, go. (laughs) I even wrote in my notes, I said, this is told from a female perspective. So even though I'm a guy, deal with it. Yeah. (laughs) So there we go. I'm not going to lie. So just real quick before we go into the story, I listened to a lot of um, YouTube channels where there's people telling like personal stories as well. And one of my favorites is Mort. Anyway, like one of the voice actors that goes on that show or like the channel, he uh, sometimes it's really funny because he's like the deepest voice I've ever heard. And he's like, I'm a 22 year old girl who went and I'm like, I'm sorry, what? So, I mean, I totally get it. it. It's fine. I don't even know if gender is relevant to the story. It really I just isn't. wanted to say it. Exactly. All right. So, here we go. Here's her story. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, possibly late elementary or early middle school, the timeline's a bit fuzzy, but it's not the point. It was just my mom and I at the time living at our house. We had some family come in and move in with us and live with us for a while. So, during that time, I had to move in and share the room with my mom. During this time, every night for months, I would wake up in the middle of the night. When that happened, I would notice something odd. I would look at my mom's closet, and there was always a man standing there. He was a tall man, and he had blonde hair and blue eyes. He wore a blue button-up shirt, and the sleeves would be rolled up about to the elbow. He was also wearing khaki pants, and he was just standing there. He was just staring at me. He wouldn't do anything, say anything, and he never even moved. He was just there. I never felt threatened. It felt like a presence that was just observing. I never understood it. Eventually, I was able to get my own room again and never encountered that situation again. Fast forward to when I was 21 and I started talking to a guy online. 
Things seemed to be going well, and we agreed to meet up. I didn't quite know what to expect, but when I arrived at our meeting place, he approached me. And there he was, a tall man with blonde hair, blue eyes. He also had a blue button-up shirt oh, heck no. rolled up to his elbows, <laughs> as well as khaki pants. That that freaks me out. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, because if she remembers that from childhood, that's, right. you know, it made an impression. Very much. And this guy obviously looked close enough that she was like, wait, what? Because you could probably get a lot of guys and dress them that way, but this one was a double take. Right. She even said, I did a double take. Oh. <laughs> An almost deja vu experience. I thought to myself, am I actually seeing this? Is this individual going to play some significant role in my life? Is that why I saw him when I was younger? Is there a connection here? I didn't feel scared or threatened by the experience. For a moment, I wondered if maybe I was misremembering things. But I don't think I was. Because it's still, it was it was really burned in my mind. It was very vivid. Because I wasn't scared. I was never scared. I was more curious. Like, every night, why do I keep seeing this person in the doorway to the closet? Not my bed. Not my door to the room. Not by the bathroom. Not sitting on the bed but in the closet, just standing there. What had me curious is that it never engaged. It felt like it was there to observe, and when I moved rooms, it's not like it followed me. I never slept in my mom's room again after the family moved out, so I don't know if it went away or if it kept just reappearing. My mom never mentioned anything about it, and to be honest, I don't think I ever talked to her about it. I mean, I'm not scared, but it was strange and not sure if I wanted to, you know, discuss it with other people or mom or anything like that. Right. The curiosity still resonates true to this day, even after that happening and interacting with an alive and bodied version of what I thought I was seeing. It might have been sort of a premonition. We ended up dating for a while, but in the end, it never really went anywhere. Sometimes I... Think of it as a signal of when my life was shifting, because when I was introduced to this individual, it was a significant time in my life. Not just the introduction, but just the fact that I had just moved from essentially an area that I had considered my home into this whole new world. It was a culture shock and a whole life shock. And perhaps this was a representation of that. In the years since, I never saw this manifestation again, but I have seen other things. Most of the time, they take on similar shapes of humans and give the feeling of humans, but kind of a caricature of them. It most It's mostly just an outline or a silhouette. However, the most real manifestation since the man in the closet was one I actually saw very recently. I had just bought a new house and I was staying in the master bedroom alone. My nephew, who was only a few years younger than me, was staying for the night in the next room. I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw a figure standing in the middle of my room. The only way I can describe it is a rather large version of, like, Dobby from the Harry <laughs> Potter movies. I know it sounds funny, uh, but it wasn't no. funny when you looked at it. Uh, hell no. Have you seen Dobby? That thing is ugly. Yeah, but imagine, like, a full-size one <laughs> instead of a tiny one. Right. Nope. It was a rather terrifying moment, and I started screaming. My nephew came running into the room, and the manifestation was gone. I think there's definitely a tie between the two as being during major changes in my life. It is curious as to how much of this is actually real. I would never say that these are entities or some type of presence that is there to like protect me or some kind of guardian angel. No, I've never looked at it that way. I'd say it's more of a representation of like a totem of some sorts, perhaps a symbol, 
I haven't quite figured it out yet. So that was her story. Mm, oh my god. Honestly, that that sucks. Like I feel like especially since if she's trying to interpret it like it's supposed to be some sort of symbolic thing, you know, in her life, it's not like it gives her enough information for her to know or like or, or or expect. So her being able to see it, I feel like it's almost through time then, right? Like Oh yeah, but I would say since she's seen multiple things and Chrissy had seen multiple things, that could just mean that they, they're good at noticing this sort of thing and other people ignore them. I would like to say, though, if it is some sort of premonition, even though that relationship didn't go anywhere at all, it did have a massive effect on her life. I'm not trying to say we're like super amazing, but it's how she met us. And oh. <laughs> and our interactions with her have been a monumental thing to our lives and yeah. her life. So maybe if it was a premonition, it wasn't necessarily because that individual was important. Right. It was just that maybe that was like a marker for a new door of like exactly things are going to change because of this. Yeah. So, but that might just be me realizing how amazing I am. Just saying. Yeah. Like, uh, it led you to me. So that's enough. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So that was that story. Back to you, Lily. Give us another. Hold on. Let me take off my sweater because I'm sweating in here. Okay, so my next story is from our listener, Vivi, and she has quite a few stories. I kind of read this through, and she says, This is a story about my in-law's haunted house and the experiences I've had there. My stories are short, so I hope uh, you don't mind hearing some of them. The first time I ever experienced something was when I was still just dating my husband, and we were at his parents' house hanging out. At this point, it was late at night, and I got up to go to the bathroom. It was really dark, and I honestly didn't bother turning on the lights in the hallway, which is weird because I'm actually afraid of the dark. (laughs) Anyway, I was walking back out of the bathroom, and I turned off the lights, and almost immediately, I see someone turning the corner of the hallway towards the kitchen. The bathroom door is right next to the kitchen entrance, so I was able to see the figure clearly. I wasn't moving when I saw the figure, so I knew it wasn't my shadow. I just assumed it was my husband going into the kitchen. Naturally, I followed him into the kitchen and I began talking to him, but stopped instantly because I noticed that there was no one in there. I turned on the lights to make sure, but there was no one there. I sprinted back to the bedroom and there lying on the bed was my husband. I was completely freaked out and asked him if he was in the kitchen earlier. He said no and he had been in the bedroom the whole time. I didn't know what to think and I will never forget this experience because it was just so real. I know someone or something was there, and it's even scarier that I was willing to follow a ghost into another room. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that messes me up. (laughs) (laughs) I was just so willing. (laughs) Ta-dee-da. Look, a shadow. Me too. (laughs) Ooh, piece of candy. (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. So the second story she has is the second haunted experience at the house was when me and my husband were hanging out in the living room. It was also at night, but this time his entire family was still awake. At some point, my brother-in-law went into the kitchen. We actually saw him go in there, but then paid no mind and continued to watch TV. Some time passed, and we started hearing dishes being moved around. It sounded like someone was doing the dishes, and at first, we didn't think anything of it. Time passed, and the sounds just continued, and I started to think it was strange. I turned around to look at the entrance of the kitchen, and that's when I realized that the lights were off. This seemed really strange to us, so my husband got up to check it out. He immediately comes back out, and he has a weird look on his face and says, Yeah, there's no one in there. (laughs) (laughs) 
As soon as my husband had entered the room, the noises stopped. So there wouldn't have been much time for someone to hide or leave without being seen. The question is, was he scared that there was no one in there? Or was he just sad that someone wasn't doing the dishes and it meant maybe he had to? Because <laughs> even me, I'd just Damn, be like, they're still there. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, Gus, if you guys want to do the dishes, that's totally cool with me. That's how I'd be. I'm like, oh, I, really, I have to do the dishes. I really wouldn't mind if I had a ghost who did dishes. I'm like, oh, no, spooky. <laughs> Keep doing it. <laughs> you need to watch this again. <laughs> Spots. Pick it up. <laughs> um, so she says, at this point, you might assume that only the kitchen is haunted. But unfortunately, it's not. This leads me to my third experience. My husband and I were again watching a movie at his house when we suddenly heard footsteps in the attic. My in-laws have a bunch of stuff stored up there, so it's not completely out of the realm that one of them might be there. So we continue to watch the movie, but then I hear a door jiggle. I ask my husband where that sound was coming from, and he says it's the garage door, which, by the way, you have to go into the garage to access the attic door. Okay. Thinking this was weird, I decided to get up and investigate. Oh, you brave little and heart. <laughs> you brave heart? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, she says, like in, true, like in a true horror movie scene, I turned the corner slowly and looked at the garage door. As clear as day, I can see the doorknob was shaking and the door was banging like someone was slamming their body. Still trying to convince myself that it might be the dog... <laughs> I approached the door and put my hand on the doorknob. As soon as my hand touched the door, the shaking completely stopped. I proceeded to open the door, and of course, I saw no one there. I then just run back to my husband and tell him what happened. He then gets up and goes to his dad's room, who's just chilling watching TV. He asked him if he was up in the attic at any point, and his dad says, No, I thought that was you up there. So now we have a third person who clearly heard footsteps. To make sure there were no squatters living up there, my husband went into the attic to check it out, but there was no one there. The door in the garage leading to the outside was also locked, so there was no signs of someone breaking in. Needless to say that I was very freaked out, but I will admit a part of me found the experience a little exciting. Also, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> I would be happy if nothing like that ever happened again. <laughs> She's like, ooh, spooky. Another wait. I like no, it. No but more. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, that was good. I can just see her. She's just she's like all proud. So she's like, I totally went to that door and I totally tested and there was nothing. And I'm just I yeah. owned it. <laughs> Own that ghost. Thank God there wasn't a ghost though. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That was awesome. Uh yeah, no, I love that story. She has a lot of experiences there for sure. So I don't know. So I think we should take a quick break. Oh yes. Get another drink. After this, we're going to have another story. I've got one last story. Yeah. And then we've got our movie discussion. Yeah, which takes a few minutes, and I hope you guys stick around for that. But otherwise, we'll see you in a bit. Okay, guys, so we're back with our very special listener story episode that we're doing for Halloween. And Chase, I think you have another delicious story for us. Yeah, I got a doozy. Uh <laughs> Now, this one is going to be kept completely anonymously because there's a few things in here that involve illegal activities. So, oh, okay. Yeah. And Yay. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Here we go. We were dumb. We were just high schoolers looking for a thrill in late October, 
Urban legend had it that there was an old insane asylum near the intersection of Edith and Osuna. And for listeners not from the area, this took place in Albuquerque. The problem is that when you're a dumb high schooler, you don't really understand old or technical words. This was one of those times. It was a sanitarium, but that doesn't necessarily mean a place for the insane or anything like that. This particular sanitarium was not the sort of place things like shock treatment or torture likely took place. But that didn't stop us from building it up that way in our heads. We were picturing an old-timey 1930s or 1940s insane asylum, the kind you see in movies. So one night, we drove to the area, and we parked our cars at what used to be the Blake's Lauderburger at the corner of Edith and Osuna. We figured we would walk the rest of the way, considering we were going to do some urban exploration, which was legally questionable. It was a group of us who went. I'd say probably 15 or so people. A posse, if you will. (laughs) It was late, and the area was very dark. We were looking to have the shit scared out of us. We were armed with flashlights, and that's it. A couple of mag lights, and a two million candle spotlight that someone had stolen from the local Walmart. Mm -hmm. Oh, the illegal activity. Exactly. (laughs) So we ended up walking and walking and walking north on Edith. We had all driven by the sanitarium at some point before, but we hadn't gauged the distance well, I guess. It felt like an eternity to get there, almost as if the walk was way longer than it should have been. Hmm. There was an eeriness about it, about the time that it took. But eventually we made it to the building. It was in a bad way, as it had been abandoned for a long time. It wasn't a functioning building by any means. It, it was overgrown. You could see what used to be a swimming pool filled with like 30 years of leaves. The Balske was claiming it back. The cottonwoods were encroaching on the property. It's a Pueblo-style building, single story, and the windows were all boarded up. It had a chain-leak fence with no trespassing signs all over it. Everything implied, don't be here. You shouldn't be here. <laughs> so they got all the warning signs, and they were like, Kept cool, going. let's go. So we get to the front gates, and the gates, they weren't locked. It was also closed, like, all half-assed. It sort of looks like someone else might be there right now, or at least had been there recently. We walked in and went to the front entrance, and those doors were open. Mm, wow. So that's interesting. I Usually abandoned buildings, they try to close them because they don't want to get sued, the property, right? Exactly. So, mm, mm, nice. Yeah. You don't want, like, vagrants or whatever. Right. We go inside, and all you can see is a long hallway of open doors. But it was pitch black with no external light whatsoever. All you could see was exclusively from the flashlights that we brought with us. It looked hollow and nondescript. There was no signage, no door numbers, nothing. The hallway was an endless repetition. And so we split up into two groups. (laughs) One group went down a ramp that was towards the back of the hallway. I did not go down there. I saw that ramp and I said, just fuck no. Wow. I went with two or three other people who were also afraid to go down that ramp. So while the others went off, we started looking in each of the rooms. Each room had its share of crap in it that had been left by transients or vandals or whatever. It had closet doors off their tracks that had fallen over, shades that had been ripped down. They were all just weird. We didn't look in many rooms. I think it was maybe the third room we looked in. We were looking around the room with our lights, and we saw a trash bag and an old console television from, like, the 70s. You know, like the wooden cabinet TVs. And there was a man standing in the corner wearing a tuxedo with a white beard. Oh, hell no. I did a double take, 
and he was gone. <laughs> it was like my focus shifted, and when I looked back, it was just gone. Yeah. The windows were boarded up. There was nowhere he could have escaped or gone to or hidden. I don't know what it was. I don't know if you'd call it an apparition or a ghost or a spirit or, or whatever. But for one second, it was there. And then it wasn't. So I had to get out of there. <laughs> a girl I was with was as eager to leave as me. And we ran. And we were screaming while we ran. I don't know if she saw it, but we ran towards the front entrance to get into an area with light. And then we got outside and we turned around. And that's when we saw other people coming out from behind the building and from around the building and all over. <gasps> Lots of people. People who weren't there with us. A few moments later, the group that had gone down the ramp heard us and also came running out. When we regrouped, we left the place in a hurry. And I haven't been back since. Oh, my God. As for what I saw, I have no idea. I have rarely felt this before. And it was a feeling of being alone. Even though I was around people, it felt startlingly like, while seeing the apparition, I was just alone. The only other time I felt that kind of aloneness is when we snuck into the campus of the Satanic Church in Albuquerque. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently yeah. it was. well, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> there is no descriptor for it. You are with people, but you're just alone. I felt super cold when I saw it, like a shudder came over me. Mm. I would describe myself as, you know, sensitive, I feel like I've met souls before. I feel like if a place is haunted, I will probably feel something. Hmm. I wouldn't call myself a skeptic at all. This experience lingered with me for quite some time. I had nightmares. It wasn't following me, but the moment sat with me for a long time. Even though it was 20 years ago, I still feel a little uneasy talking about it. Wow. We found out later that this location was a possible hideout for a biker gang. We don't know if that's true or if it was just a rumor, but that could explain all the people who ran out of the building, as well as why the fences looked open. I mean, I'm pretty sure if they just heard someone screaming, they were going to be like, oh, shit, we got to get the hell Something's out of here. Something's going down or like, yeah, we got to get out of here. I mean, that's fair. It, you know, it could have even been just like another exploring group and it was just a coincidence. Who knows? Or maybe it was like apparitions coming out. I don't know. The whole thing of like, you're scared and you run, you just see a bunch of... That's People, so surreal. Yeah. I probably would have just, I don't even know, passed out. I've been like, like I, I'm getting I back to my it. car like now. <laughs> yeah. But that was his story. Wow. That is a really good story, too. Absolutely. So. I'm so proud of our listeners for having such creepy moments that we can read. <laughs> Absolutely. We want to read more, but we want to make sure the episode's a decent length. And we got plenty more for a future episode that's going to be coming. Oh, yes. Now that we're. At the end of our Halloween listener episode, it's time for us to get to our movie list. Yay, let's talk about the movies. This will be the final week to talk about the movies. So, for sure. As a quick reminder, this last week, the movies that we were supposed to watch was the original The Omen, Practical Magic, Ready or Not, 30 Days of Night, The Dark and the Wicked, Hocus Pocus, and The Dawn of the Dead 2004 remake. Yep. So this was a really bloody week. <laughs> I know. Lots and lots of gore, particularly Dawn of the Dead, 30 Days a Night, Ready or Not. is is a pretty bloody week. Yeah, I kind of I kind of liked it. What was your favorite movie for the mood you were in last week? For the mood that I was in, I'm not going to lie, I really enjoyed Ready or Not again. Mm. There's something about it that I was like, I it's not that I didn't like it the first time or any, I, I remember enjoying it. But then it just kind of slipped and years passed and we never watched it again. And so I liked that we put it on there to see, you know, how I felt about it. And it's just, it's it's way better this time. I agree with you. And so 
I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Like at first, I was like, I'm split because I was really excited to see The Omen again. It mm-hmm. had been years since we'd seen it. That's true. It's just a fantastic movie and a perfect example of an old horror movie that's aged really well. It just, it still works. It's so effective. It, oh, yeah. They did such an amazing job. All the impactful scenes, like the ones that would have been like the ones people brought home from the theater in their mind, yeah. originally, they still stick and they're oh, yeah. still heavy. Particularly a decapitation scene. It's not ruining yep. anything, but man, that's still one of the most hard to watch scenes ever it was pretty impressive <laughs> so part of me wants to say the omen but you know i have to acknowledge ready or not was just a really great time yeah like you i liked it a lot the first time but i think i liked it more the second time around and i think that's because knowing what was going to happen allowed me to focus more on the characters mm-hmm. and their nuanced character traits and their histories and everything and I was just able to focus on them and it wasn't just like the main characters characters, yeah these characters were not washed out like you can tell like who they were in the very little interactions we had with them good actors too oh amazing actors are you kidding me everyone was amazing and oh it was just it was so good and we should also acknowledge the lead actress uh, if I pronounce her name correctly Samara Weaving or Samara Weaving yeah She's an amazing actress. She was one of the leads in the Babysitter movie. That was she a was Netflix the exclusive. Yeah. She's just great. She's an awesome leading role. Yeah, she's, she's a leading actor. Definitely qu- uh, becoming quickly one of my favorite actresses. So right I hope now. we see her in more. I mean, yeah. I want more horror movies, but I'll settle for any kind of movie. Yeah. I think she's just good. So, all right. Did you have a least favorite movie this week, or were you pretty much happy with everything? So I'd have to say my least favorite is The Dark and the Wicked because we didn't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cheating. <laughs> That's cheating. I'm sorry. We didn't get to it, and I feel awful because I really, really wanted to watch it, especially since We're it, was like get a, to it. it was a new one. When I say least favorite, I'm kidding. I we I don't even know what to expect. So hopefully it's actually one of my favorites. I like how I was calling you a cheater because I think my least favorite one was Practical Magic, which I also didn't watch, but yeah. you did watch it. <laughs> I watched it, yeah. Yeah, you kind of told me. You could tell I was just not in the mood to watch a movie, and you're like, I, is it okay if I watch it? And I was like, yeah, go for it. I'm yeah, good. I'm just going to watch it without you. Yeah. It's not a bad movie. I I just I fucking love that movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, no, it's it's a great movie. Um I just I wasn't in the mood f- to watch any it's, movies. It's a very much a sisterhood kind of movie. Like all the witches out there need to need to watch it. Promise. Such a good movie. <laughs> so, that means we only have two movies left in this month and so we're not going to mm-hmm. have a discussion next week, so we should just talk about them ahead of time today. Okay. Yeah. So, tonight, you know, when this is posted, is the original 1978 Halloween, John mm-hmm. Carpenter's Halloween, one of the best slashers, often considered one of the grandfathers of the slasher film. And then on Halloween, we have Trick or Treat. Which I'm hoping a lot of you have already seen. Yeah. That's the one I always feel like has to be on Halloween. I don't know why. It's either that or Halloween. I I interchange every once in a while. So I also agree. I think Trick or Treat might be the perfect Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people want to say something like Hocus Pocus because it's more kid-oriented. Which this is, is not a kid-oriented movie. Right. But it takes place on Halloween. It creates a perfect Halloween night vibe that doesn't actually exist anywhere on Earth, but exists <laughs> in the heart of all of us Halloween fanatics. Like, we want to believe a place like this exists I, where I Halloween want, is like that. Is it weird? It's not like I want these things to happen. No, no we don't but, the whole things, but we want a town that celebrates <laughs> Halloween like this oh, to oh, exist. Oh, the celebration. I think about like like the deaths, I'm like, well, we've hold all on. wanted Halloween like this. Yeah, yeah, really do. Yeah. Some a giant Halloween parade. Come on, that'd be awesome. 
Now, it's a compilation movie with multiple storylines that are intertwined throughout the film. It has moments of terror intermixed with moments of lighthearted, goosebump-style stories. You know, they can be a bit goofy, but in a very fun way. But they take it to the next level. Oh, I mean, absolutely. There's nothing goofy about uh, the deaths. No, absolutely. It is bloody, we should say, uh, <laughs> but in a playful way. Like I said, the stories can be, instead of just being gore porn, kind of like the Saw movies or whatnot, mm-hmm. there's blood here, but it's not. It's not disturbing, if you ask me. Right. If you only watch one movie on our list this month, though, I would highly recommend it to be this one. I think it has the widest audience appeal, and it's just the perfect idea of Halloween. Because it's not just a scary movie. It's a Halloween-themed scary movie. Yeah, exactly. So I think for the month, it's the perfect one, for sure. Absolutely the perfect one. We should also mention, though, since it is the original Halloween tonight, we did watch... Halloween kills mm-hmm. the other night. Yeah. And I think it's important to mention that. So for those of you that don't know, there were a lot of Halloween movies after the original, but in 2018, they made a new Halloween movie where Jamie Lee Curtis came back and it is considered a direct sequel to the original, meaning all those previous sequels were relevant. So and, irrelevant. And then, yeah, yeah. And then Halloween kills is supposed to be the sequel to that one. So it means this is the third movie. So there's the 1978 Halloween, the 2018 Halloween, and then this movie, which is Halloween Kills, creating a trilogy. Yeah, the director said that's what's canon. So whatever yeah. happened, those are just fun, whatever, but not leading directly to these. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that Halloween Kills is so fun and amazing. And, and it was a horrif- great time. It's totally horrific and in the best way possible, in the way I needed the 2018 to be. But there were too many, and I made this comment last time, and I and I feel like, I don't know, they must have acknowledged it or something. I think a lot of people online agreed. Yeah, there were just too many off-camera kills. Like, kills happened, but you didn't see them? He killed, like, Felt a very ton PG-13. Of, yeah, he killed a ton of people, and we never got to see any of it or even the aftermath. And I'm not saying, like, there's something wrong with me where I'm like, oh, I need to see this. But I'm watching a horror movie. Well, But you're not just you watching know? horror. It's a pinnacle point it's of a, slasher It's films. a slasher. That's one of the reasons you watch slashers. It sounds yeah. deranged, but it's just one of those things, like, <laughs> usually when people watch slashers, the two things they expect is is gory kills and unnecessary nudity. If I didn't, then I'd watch Hocus Pocus. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So we're not going to discuss plot points because we don't want to do any spoilers or anything. Like you said, I agreed. I think it fixed most of my qualms with the 2018 movie. It had problems, though. Halloween Kills isn't a perfect film. It's got issues. Oh, of Uh, course. We can't talk about those issues without ruining the plot, so we're not going to. It's way too new to be talking about. Absolutely. But it had incredible kills, very tense moments, and a good feeling of dread and fear. The one thing I can say is like the 2018 and the original, why this is a good slasher is because it takes itself seriously. Mm-hmm. Most slashers kind of have a goofy, we know this is a goofy, tropey kind of thing. Yeah. This movie wasn't doing that. This movie was trying to say, we're trying to make a scary movie. And it had a, like a lot of commentary on things, but not not in a weird, boring way. Just kind of like uh, going back to the original and, and how... It affected people's lives because this is from the trailer, obviously, but characters from the first movie, like the 1978, uh, they return. So uh, Characters are referenced throughout this entire trilogy, making it, it exactly, kind of right. cohesive and yeah. attached, which is really nice. It's not common in slashers. A lot of times slasher sequels stand alone, and sometimes that's good, sometimes it's bad. But in this case, I felt it brought the story together and it made it work like... This is a series. It's a continuation. Exactly. And with that said, I do recommend people, all three of these movies, uh, like they are now designed to be watched very close together. Mm -hmm. You can totally binge watch it in one night, which is probably how I'm going to do it next. I know. Or do it like one night after another. But you should watch them close together because 
I do feel if you wait too long in between them, you'll forget moments because they're so directly taking place after each other that if you miss something, you'd be like, wait, who is that guy? Why do I remember this? And it's and they don't hold your hand or walk you through it. So don't watch this unless you've watched the other two in a very recent. It will be slightly confusing, but, you know. I guess you can kind of get past it and, and figure it out. Yeah, if and you people just... are smart. They'll figure it out. But yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying the best movie experience would be to try to watch all three in rapid succession. Heck yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Well, we've really enjoyed this movie month. I know there's uh, two movies left. We've really enjoyed doing this. Thank you all who joined us. And if it sounds fun and you want to do it next year, you absolutely should. We've been doing this every year for years, but this is the first year we did it as part of our podcast. Yeah. So, and next year we might have a... Uh, Something else going on if we haven't figured it out, maybe put a game in there. It's been a crazy October for us, so we're putting as much in as we can. But maybe next year, it'll be a different thing. We'll figure it out. Heck yeah. So I think that brings our episode and our first season to a close. So if you sent a story that wasn't read, don't worry, because it is in the queue for next time or whenever we can get to all our listener episodes. If you are enjoying hearing other stories and want to submit one yourself... Or if you have comments or questions, drop us a line at hotwpodcast at gmail.com or through any of our social media accounts. As always, we post new episodes every Saturday and you can find us on all standard podcasting platforms. And of course, I'm assuming you all are going to be drinking my new fall drink. And if you have one too many and the next morning you're not feeling as good, well, don't worry, because the best cure for a hangover is fear. See ya. Bye.